Welcome back to another episode of Leadershipping. 2023 has come to a close, and it was a pretty wild year in parcel shipping. 2023 saw the largest GRI from UPS and FedEx in history. Carrier labor strikes were narrowly avoided, which was a huge deal over the summer. Parcel shipping rates hit an all-time high, and since then, a lot of negotiating power has since shifted back to shippers for the first time in recent memory. 2024 is here now, and a lot of shippers are wondering, man, 2023 was a hard year. What's coming up this year? And so our conversation today is really on what's next, what to expect for 2024. We've shifted back to a shipper's market, but number one question that a lot of shippers have is how can they actually leverage that and take advantage of it? And what should shippers expect for the coming year to you know, navigate potential challenges and, or I think more than likely, great opportunities? Joining us to talk about what's coming in 2024 is one of the most prominent voices in parcel shipping, Alan Aimlin. Alan, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here, Caleb. As I mentioned, Alan is a major thought leader in our industry. He regularly speaks at conferences and events, advises startups through his advisory firm, Thrive and Advance LLC, and teaches the, in the Master of Supply Chain program at University of Tennessee. Alan, you've got quite the history with uh, transportation in the background, uh, predominantly with UPS uh, for a large chunk of it. You spent 27 years at UPS serving in a variety of roles, if I'm understanding that right. Your journey started, uh, it sounds like, with UPS as a seasonal employee in 1982. I, I talked to a lot of people at UPS who started as seasonal employees and have kind of stayed with the organization for a really long time. Uh, Absolutely. It's, it, it's, it's a it, great program for that. Yeah. Very common. Yeah, you know, it's 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 interesting. Um, in in August, when they have Founders Day, they recognize um, you know years of service, and in order to be recognized in the in the corporate office, in order to be recognized um, and have them call on you and you come up and they shake your hand, you had to have at least thirty years of service, because there were too many people that had. 15, 20, 25. Yeah. I, I remember, I think, I think they kept calling me rookie until I had 10. So <laughs> I was going to say, you're kind of a lightweight if you've, if you've got like 15 <laughs> years of experience there. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, shifting gears into some challenges or let's talk about maybe the, the over overarching trends that you're seeing for 2024. What would those what would those be? We we have a lot of people that listen that are transportation managers, VP of operations, COOs at organizations that have that supply chain, yep. and we also have individuals that are working in the industry that are trying to keep up with trends and kind of have their pulse on it. You obviously have your pulse on both carriers and the the shipper side. Yep. What are some of those major trends that you're that are on your radar for 2024? Yeah. So um, so quite a bit of things. So, you know, in, in, in terms of shippers, the, the, the good news for you is the pendulum has swung back, right? And during the pandemic, you know, it was just crazy. You saw between 2020 and 2022, 
UPS's average revenue per piece went from 992 to 1211. Mm. Um, it had gone from 986 to 982 the two years prior to that right and that's the that's the normal way of 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 you know this industry i would i would tell people that yeah don't don't get caught up in this shippers market because it is an anomaly yeah what is happening right now in my 27 years at ups maybe three or four were a shippers market or yeah. were, were you know were the uh, carriers market it's yeah. it's typically you know ups fighting with fedex and you're trading off volume and you might have a you know five percent rate increase but you're actually not giving out that five percent right you're you're just increasing your discount so most of your um most of your shippers are staying even and i you know and i think that's kind of where we are right now. And I think that the, the shippers, especially if they had to renegotiate during the pandemic, it's, it's time to take control again, right? Mm -hmm. You need to renegotiate um, your contracts because the, you know, with the, the volume down, uh, you know, coming, you know, back down to earth, let's say, um, and you've got um, it. It's not like it was pre-pandemic because now there is so many more players in the market, right? I think one of the one of the biggest disruptions that happened during COVID was the rise of ship from store. Yeah, right. You know, and that was, and they had, a, you know, the ship from store is really interesting because they had that as an option for a really long time. Yes, they, they could have done it at any point in time, but it was a forcing function. COVID forced that That's to right. take place so that, you know, it, it would be able to reach customers faster for less money and, and all of that great, you know, benefit that comes from ship from store. But it it took a, a massive pandemic in order for organizations to actually take advantage of it. It's really interesting use case. Yeah, isn't that isn't that crazy? And that's it's not that uncommon in in terms of, you know, sometimes what it takes to get incumbent firms to you know try something new, and um, you know that's you know in in terms of kind of going on offense. I mean, I think that's a big theme for for shippers in 2024. You know, the other thing is plan to pivot. You got mm -hmm. it. You just absolutely have to plan to pivot because there is, I, I think there is potentially more uncertainty in 2024 than 2021. You know, not only do you have all of the existing geopolitical issues you have, you know, right now the, the two major canals yeah, are in trouble, right? Yeah, You've got the high the risk Suez with the, the, the Houthis fire firing on them. And then you've got the drought in the Panama Canal. You know, that's that's causing issues. You've got over 70 elections worldwide wow. in 2024. Wow. You know, and that's that's going to cause chaos. It, it you know, and it's it's already had you know, a potential major impact with 
the Taiwan election and, you know, what, you know, because you have a very pro-Taiwan independence and so China doesn't like that. So are they going to escalate blockages in the Taiwan Strait? And all of that has a ripple effect down to the parcel shippers. So, and, and I don't think the fat lady is sung on the economy. Yeah, right. It still feels like there is uh, we're we're at that precipice right at that cliff. And it it doesn't really feel like we are we're away from that edge at this point. And, uh, you know, who knows how it's going to shake out. But I do feel like that that is a potential risk. I I think, you know, being in transportation, uh, certainly not as long as as you have with, with your background, but seeing it over the last 20 years, one thing I've I've seen is that just because it's a, it's in the favor of customers right now doesn't mean it's going to stay in favor of the customers for very long. That's right. I think uh, things will shift around and yes. strike while the iron's hot, right? Absolutely. I, you've got so many things, to your point, on the edge, on the verge that are potentially coming. Right. Control what you can control right now and don't wait for shipping costs to increase for those impacts to already take place. For you to be like, okay, now I need to go do it. Don't be that forcing, don't have that be your forcing function. That's right. That's right. The other thing that I would say is the shipping patterns have changed, right? So you you have so much more, uh, so many more parcels that are now getting shipped in bulk closer to the point of consumption. And then, you know, distributed through, um, you know, regional carriers, you know, you know, gig outfits, you know, you, you and all of the, you know, Amazon shipping is actually becoming, you know, pretty aggressive. Yeah. You know, it was one of those things that you knew it was like, you knew Amazon was going to offer a third party shipping service. I mean, right. It was just a question of, of when. And so now they're, now that they've got some capacity, they're, you know, really putting the the jets on there, and um, and so if you're a a shipper, it's actually really good for you, right? Because you yeah. you have a many more options now. You know, when you look at this, really played out. If you look at the um, the rate increases from FedEx and and, and UPS, so. They, you know, were a little lower than last year, but, you know, traditionally still fairly high on fairly high. Yeah. On on average. But when you look at kind of it wasn't evenly dispersed. Right. So it's the long zones got hit harder. Mm -hmm. You know, heavier weight packages got got hit harder. And that speaks to the uh, strength of these. kind of retail logisticians, the Walmart Plus and Bark and um, and Amazon and even Costco with their purchase of Sears Logistics doing a lot of lot of their own. So all of that kind of plays out in short zone. um, And, you know, that's where they're facing the heaviest competition from regional carriers. So what did they do? They didn't increase rates as much in the short zones, but in the areas that those companies don't touch, that's where they hit the rates. Yeah, the zones six, seven, and eights become you know profit land for for UPS and FedEx. 
you know, I'm, I'm interested on the on that Amazon front. We, we're seeing so much growth happen with yeah. OnTrack, uh, for example, merging with LaserShip, um, expanding into new areas, new territories. You know, I'm, I'm really, you know, kind of bullish on Amazon shipping. I think uh, I, I've been really vocal that uh, 2024 will be a, a year that will be unprecedented for Amazon shipping yeah. to enter the market. And I, I don't think that can be overstated given the fact that we've been in a duopoly for so long. Yeah. The last time we had a true competitor to Amazon or to UPS and FedEx was DHL yeah. that bought Airborne Express in, in 2001, 2002, and really came to, to you know, go to blows with, with UPS and FedEx. Yeah. And uh, that didn't end very favorably for DHL. So do you no, feel like... Yeah, do you feel like Amazon, uh, the juggernaut that, that it is, this time it'll stick? Oh, God. I, I love that example, Caleb, because, yeah. you know, the thing about DHL is DHL tried to beat UPS and FedEx at their game. And UPS and FedEx said, bring it on. Go ahead. Uh, you can go ahead and sponsor Major League Baseball. You go do that. <laughs> yeah. And, and we're going we're gonna to cut rates. And you're not going to be able to build density. And we're just going to see how long you bleed cash until you leave. And they did. Which is ex- right? Which is exactly yeah. what happened. I, I saw a statistic that they lost, that DHL lost $12 to $14 on every package that they moved. I know. Which I is know. unbelievable. Right. Right. I mean, it, it really is. And Amazon is is they're not playing the ups game right they it's a it's an a com, they completely changed how they get packages um from source to doorstep right and um you know they and they had the the luxury i mean i think there was a like a two-year span where they spent about 60 billion dollars on their on their network and just to to put that into perspective, um, like UPS and FedEx, I think they spend maybe five to six billion in capex every year. So it's like a ten x. <laughs> um, the and the yeah. other thing that has changed is connecting and thinking technologies, and you know the AI and ML and mm-hmm. and you know I remember when I was with with UPS and I was up up with um, some some folks at Amazon headquarters and we were walking to lunch and there's this big gray building. I said, what is that? It looks like a prison. And they said, oh, that's our, that's our ML University. And I said, what are you talking about ML University? They said, yeah, so we can't hire enough um, data scientists. So we have data scientists on staff that, you know, that we hire that work with us and they also teach so that we can have more data scientists. And so I was, um, it's one of the things that I, a little exercise I do with my, my students in my supply chain uh, technology class at University of Tennessee. Um, I say, okay, um, it's, it's online. So they all have their laptops in front of them. I said, okay, pull up LinkedIn. Um, type in Amazon comma data scientists, go to people and tell me how many hits you get. And it's like, you know, 15,000 plus. 
Um, and I say, okay, now do Walmart. And Walmart's about two, 3,000. I say, okay, now, now substitute Macy's or UPS yeah. or FedEx right. or anyone else. And you, you start to realize this advantage that, um, you know, Amazon has, has built. And, you know, people say, well, AI, you know, that's a bunch of hooey. Is it really being used in supply chain? And, and, and I say, well, I'll tell you what, have you received a same day shipment ever from Amazon? Well, yeah, I, I get same day once in a while. Okay, well, you just experienced AI. Mm-hmm. How do you think that they knew that that product was going to was going to be consumed by someone in your by you in that in your area? They had to predict your purchase because there's no way they could have delivered it to you same day if yeah. they if they didn't. You know, and that's one of the things for shippers is that that's it's it's not the that traditional model of, you know, we're going to send vehicles out and we're going to fill them up with, uh, we're going to deliver during the early part of the day and we're going to yeah. pick up in the afternoon, the end of the day. Yeah. Um, that model is going to continue for sure for, 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 for B2B, but for B2C, it's really changing. Yeah. It's interesting. And I, I think one thing that, um, you know, to your point on Amazon being a different breed, they are not only are they tackling this differently, but they have other portions of their business that can help subsidize or pay for their expansion into this area or this market. That's something that, you know, OnTrack doesn't have. That's not, you know, OnTrack doesn't have AWS as, you know, their, their uh, totally separate business model that they have massive revenue coming in on that they can then use those funds to fuel growth and being willing to do what DHL wasn't able to do. And that is, you know, wait it out. Um, And I I really believe that Amazon, I think we'll look back and, you know, chuckle about the days that I can't believe there was a a duopoly that acted like a monopoly for so long. Um, And I think for shippers, to your point on what they need to do for 2024, Staying nimble and staying, um, you know, willing to uh, explore new options um, yeah. and to strike while the iron's hot should definitely be, you know, looked at from a regional carrier standpoint, including Amazon shipping in that. You know, it, it's the idea that gone are the days where you could single source with mm-hmm. all of your business with UPS or with FedEx. And uh, I think shippers need to add a little bit more complexity, but get a lot of, of benefit in return. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, there, are, there are a lot of opportunities for collaboration as, as well, right? One of the, if you don't, if you, you know, no one has the kind of volume that, uh, that Amazon has. And, and you know, one of, the, one of the mantras at UPS that was drilled into me early in my industrial engineering uh, days was that uh, volume creates opportunity. Mm. Are there are there opportunities to, you know, even work with competitors where you're bundling uh, shipments that are, 
you know, originating um, in the you know, same general area and going to the same general area? Can you create package characteristics that make that lower the cost for a UPS and FedEx, allow you to get a better deal with, with those companies. There's, there's a lot of things that, um, opportunities that you can take it, advantage of. And um, it's, you know, I, th I think about, you know, some of the best sustainability opportunities, which globally for, in, in the U US, it's still not front and center. Globally, it's becoming a, a bigger thing because reporting and, fines are starting to 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 hit this year um, but you know one of the things I've always said that's also good for lowering cost is if if they could just put clear plexiglass sides on 40-foot trailers you can see how many trailers are going down the highway half full quarter full yeah nothing in them right right it's a lot yeah finding finding that extra capacity, um, I think yeah. is, is huge. And there are carriers that have that extra capacity that are saying, hey, help me fill those trucks. Yeah. Um, and it's the marrying up of data. And I think data is, is the, the main component to this that helps you kind of marry that up of shipment to carrier. I, I think it, it's just a really interesting time. And I think sustainability, to your point, I totally agree with you. I think some brands that we talk to, sustainability is top of mind. But yeah. that's few and far between. And I think it's because most people associate sustainability with luxury. Like uh, driving a Tesla. Uh, okay, that's a luxury brand. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of shippers are focused on just getting packages out the door and not necessarily focused on how do I make sure that I'm, I'm reducing my carbon footprint? How do I make sure that I don't have my, um, I have less material ending up in landfills? The unique part about tackling sustainability in parcel is it's a direct one for one on if I move the needle with sustainability, I'm going to move the needle also on cost reduction. Absolutely. You, yeah. You reduce the size of the box. It's cheaper. Reduce how many miles it moves. It's cheaper. Everything you do is pretty much a one for one from uh, a cost perspective, which I love. Yeah. Spot on Caleb. Yeah. You know, I, I was, I noticed a, a really interesting LinkedIn post about UPS and FedEx that you, that you posted, somewhat ignoring B2C shipments in favor of higher margin volume during the pandemic. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's a really interesting trend and, and they're trying to shift that focus back to B2C. Yeah. Can you explain why they've had that shift from B2B to B2C and what are they doing specifically to win more B2C volume? Yeah, you bet. One of my dissertation committee members, when I was getting my PhD, I was focused on this idea of disruption and 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 why is it that these incumbent firms that have all of the the resources, the you know both intellectual and financial and technological, um, are getting passed up by by startups and you know why is that? continuing to happen and basically the pattern of disruption just real simply and it's just really important for people to understand it's it's the incumbent chases higher margins because if i take my limited capacity and focus it on higher margin i'm gonna make more profit and that 
you know, that plays like a symphony in the boardroom. Everyone yeah. shakes their head up and down, yes. Okay, so what's the problem with that? Well, you leave the low end of the market un unattended. And you think of what happened during the pandemic in Parcel. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. FedEx and, and UPS went up market. They abandoned the low end of the market, which is, you know, typically the large uh, commercial uh, B2B or B2C shippers um, where they, they don't make a lot of margin. Um, and, and then uh, new entrants uh, come in to fill that void doing it differently than the incumbent so that they can still make money. And that's the rise of ship from store. That's the expansion of yeah. Amazon and Walmart shipping and, and even DoorDash, right? And then what happens is the, the incumbent, you know, typically if they can, they ignore it. And um, the low end of the market gets saturated and they move up market to displace the incumbent. It's happened over and yeah, over time and, again. and over yeah. again. But it's 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 really hard. How do you how do you go to the board and say, yeah, we're actually going to we've got this limited capacity, but we're going to spend some of the we're going to keep some of the capacity on the low end of the the market. It's just I mean it's just really tough to do, and that's. Um, and that's what happened. And then the market switched, went back, as we were talking about earlier, went, went back to a, a shipper's market. And, um, you know, the other thing that I always heard at UPS is you got to feed the beast, right? You've got, you've got these huge networks in place. And yes, there's a lot of variable costs, but there's a lot of fixed costs as well. And so um, as the utilization of those fixed cost facilities goes down, the, the cost per piece of every piece going through that facility goes up, yeah. right? And eventually that will sink you. FedEx and UPS see that, right? And so now they're, they're going back and they're becoming much more aggressive on, on winning back business. That's been a been a real theme They're they're still you know focusing on b2b which is you know where they're going to get the best margin and they're also i think i'm just not as familiar with fedex but i i know ups is doing some really smart things around going after the higher margin portions of b2c so smbs and i the small to medium-sized businesses that's where actually fedex is is going after that as well and then returns, right? Mm -hmm. Re returns is inherently very profitable for parcel shippers because it's a cons it's a consolidated pickup. Um, so it really has a lot of B two B characteristics, even though it's B two C and UPS acquiring um, Happy Returns. I yeah, thought was big news. Uh, that was big news. It was uh, that was a bold move, especially since. I think uh, thousands of happy returns locations happen to be um, FedEx office. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, so, it's really, it's that's really interesting, and it's interesting to hear, you know, because we we've heard, um, you know, specific from UPS, uh, Carol Tomei's uh, mantra of of better, not bigger, 
right. uh, which was post COVID, right? Better, not bigger. We're not, we're not out for more. We want better. Um, and I think, uh, as the market has slowed down and as some of those, especially larger shippers that I personally have talked to on a regular basis that used to feel like they carried significant weight and, you know, um, strong relationship with, uh, with the carriers, and I, I mean that with both UPS and FedEx, yeah. uh, we're being told, hey, you have uh, volume caps now on your account. And right. because of the types of uh, shipments that you have and the pricing that we've put in place for you, uh, and our capacity is now really tight, we don't value your freight the exact same way. Yeah. And whether, you know, whether that was, uh, no doubt it wasn't told that way, but that was um, how those clients have felt since then, sure. which opens up that door for disruption, opens up that door for, well, let's entertain regional carriers because I can't put myself and my staff through that again. That's it's right. really an interesting time. And having conversations with some of the bigger shippers out there, it was almost um, a negative uh, to be one of the larger shippers shipping B2C yeah. over yeah. the last couple of years. Yeah, which is, you know, I, I mean... I can't even relate to it. I, I just, I cannot even relate to it because I, I retired in um, March of 2019, which is just about when COVID hit, right? Yeah. And then Carol Tomei came in middle of uh, that year. And I'll tell you, I don't, the, she was on the board for 15 years. The, the board wanted her to move the stock price. Yeah. It hadn't, it hadn't moved in, decades right it, was, it had, had crawled and and she got in there she made things happen and she uh she changed a lot of things for for the uh for the better but i i i gotta tell you i i i cringed a little bit because i i could see the writing on the wall and actually in my book i have a kind of a side-by-side -side chart that shows the stages of disruption and what U.S. Steel went through and what UPS was going through. And I didn't know how the story was was going to end. I just kind of mapped it through 2021. And my book was published in early 2022. And um, and the stock price went up and now it's 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 higher than it was, but it, it has um, it's come down. I think there's a lesson there for, um, you know, for, for all businesses that it's, yes, you want to, you, you want to maximize profits, but at the end of the day, it's the customer, right? Yeah. It's the customer and those customers have long memories. Yeah, Good they idea. do, especially in, in transportation, if they oh, get, yeah. if they get wronged or jaded. It is a chip that they hold on their shoulder for a very long time. It's really difficult to rebuild that because at the end of the day, you're exactly right. This is all about relationships. Yeah, I'll tell you what, my entire career, I heard from customers about the strike in 97. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? I, I know, it, it's still, you talk to shippers today and they'll still say, oh, I, I will never use UPS because of that situation, yeah. you know? And it, it's, it's interesting to see that kind of, uh, hang on. This has been such a great conversation, Alan. If you, if you were to put it in a nutshell, 
for our listeners, what would be your final piece of advice for, for, for them to take uh, into 2024? Yeah, so I, I think this, this theme of, of go on offense and don't wait right now. And that is not only, you know, renegotiating contracts, uh, but, but also taking stock of what you have and your internal, your business processes. And are there ways that you can do things differently to react to the market more quickly, to shave off some costs? How are you using technology? Um, today, are you investing in your people? Because at, at the end of the day, and I, I, I emphasize this all the time with my technology classes, the reason technology fails typically has nothing to do with the technology and everything to do with the, the people. So if you want to be able to create options that are so important in conditions of uncertainty, you want to create options that allow you to pivot away from danger and towards opportunity. Your first investment is not in technology. Your first investment is in your people mm -hmm. and making sure that you have the, the people in place that will be able to um, execute. And then you're investing in, in technology. The other thing is, uh, and I was, I was just listening to some ec economists this morning that were talking about the economy and they described it as fragile. And I think that that is, that's right. It is, it's, it's fragile. There's because of all this un uncertainty. So, you know, make sure that you are ready, ready to pivot those uh, war rooms and communications channels that you had in place uh, during COVID. You know, make sure that you're talking to your organization, that you're drilling on, on those things. If you haven't done any scenario planning, now's the time to do it, um, because you don't want to, you don't want to get caught flat-footed, because that's what's the getting caught flat, flat-footed in that indecision, is what's. Um, what's really going to bite you. So, so, so that's, I mean, that's, that's really it. I love it. I think that's phenomenal advice. And I've seen both sides where shippers out there have taken exactly what you've said uh, to heart. Um, they put in people that are willing to adopt and use transportation software properly that have uh, proper models that are built that are willing to strike while the iron's hot. And those are, Honestly, the clients of, of FedEx and UPS that we see have best in class, most resilient supply chains. And on, yep. the, on the flip side of that, I see a lot of businesses that completely ignore a lot of that advice and their supply chain is exactly what you said about the economy, super fragile and ready to break at any time. Sure. It just puts, you know, and I, I think part of it is just making sure that you're as strong as you possibly can be and you're doing your job to the best of your abilities and yes. ultimately strengthening your organization that you work for. You mentioned your book. I just wanted to call that out. It's called Organizational Velocity. It's available on Amazon. Alan, thank you so much for, for joining the show. Let our listeners know where they can get in touch with you and how they can interact with you. Yeah, absolutely. So best way probably is just to connect with me on LinkedIn. And then uh, you'll, you'll see my post, which I'm posting not not as regularly as some people, but, um, but I, I get some posts out there, but, um, 
Uh, you can also get in touch with me through my website, alanamling.com. Uh, those, those are probably the best ways to get a hold of me, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Alan, for being a part of the show. It's been a phenomenal yeah. conversation. Yeah, well, thanks a lot, Caleb. Thanks for having me. Well, you can find Leadershipping on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast platforms. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. Leave us a rating or a review if you've liked what you've heard. Honestly, it really does help us out. You can also view or watch these episodes on Sifted's YouTube channel. And as always, check us out at sifted.com for more information. Uh, We've got some great content on there, such as uh, blogs, our monthly newsletter, and some helpful guides and research and more. And as always, thanks for listening. Happy shipping. Happy shipping.